You're listening to Give Me the Bible with Len. Today's program is entitled The Eye. Hello my radio friends, welcome to the program today and I'm so glad you've joined me. Here's a question for you. Which part of the body do you think is most important? Some would say the heart, others the lungs, still others the stomach. Yes, each of those is vital, but none of them can function without the other. There is a symbiotic relationship among all the parts of the body. Yes, I know that some people have lost teeth or an eye, an arm or even a leg, but the body is then disabled to some degree and does not function as it should normally. And there have been some people who've been outstanding even though they've been disabled. Among the most outstanding people who've been blind are Stevie Wonder, Ray Charles, Andrea Bocelli, Marla Lee Runyon, John Brambert, Pete Eckert, Casey Harris and... Helen Keller. You may not know all of these people, but I wish to share with you a little about the one at the top of the list, Stevie Wonder. Stevie Wonder was his show name, although his parents named him Steveland Hardaway Judkins. He was born in Michigan, United States, in 1950. He had four brothers and one sister. All the children were given a second name, that being Hardaway. He became famous as a musician, playing a variety of instruments, and was a composer and singer-songwriter. At the age of 11, this young genius was contracted to Motown Records. His overall net worth was around $110 million dollars. Born six weeks premature, Stevie was kept in an oxygen-rich incubator, with the result that the retinas of both his eyes detached, causing him to be blind at a very young age. Yet, despite his blindness, Stevie achieved much. Indeed, he has won many prizes and awards, including two honorary degrees. He married three times and had nine children. His best inspirational song is entitled Have a Talk with God. Probably his best known songs are Moon River, I Just Called to Say I Love You and You Are the Sunshine of My Life. Although Stevie Wonder has been recognised as one of the most outstanding blind achievers, There are many other people, disabled, with blindness, who've made major contributions during their lifetimes. We must recognise that there are many other disabled people who have also achieved much, despite their handicaps. The Apostle Paul wrote about the eye in 1 Corinthians 12, 12-29. It's about spiritual gifts. 
It's a longish but very interesting passage. He said, Just as the body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one Spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free. And we were all given the one Spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Now if the foot should say, Because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, Because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honourable, we treat with special honour. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together, giving greater honour to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honoured, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. And God has placed in the church, first of all, apostles, second, prophets, third, teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, of helping, of guidance, and of different kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? Now eagerly desire the greater gifts. The Apostle Paul used an analogy of what happens within the human body to describe the functions within the church community. He goes to great pains to show that all parts of the body are interdependent and none work in isolation without the others. He also explains that each is dependent on the others and none can make it alone. The third issue he addresses is that different individuals are given different gifts which are to be used to edify the church and to be used to bring others to a knowledge of the saving grace of God who loves them. 
And then there is a fourth point that I'd especially like to focus on. Verses 28 to 30 is a series of questions. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? And so on. What Paul says here, that it is ludicrous if everyone in the church community has the same gift or gifts. Just imagine building a house where all the tradesmen were plumbers. Probably the house might have good plumbing, but the foundation, walls, roof and wiring would be substandard. So it is with the church, which Paul wisely describes as the body of Christ. Now, I want to share with you an issue that has developed in some religious organisations especially those with a Pentecostal bias. Everyone in those groups is expected to speak in tongues. These people believe that unless a person does speak in tongues, he or she is not truly converted and is therefore not considered a first-class Christian. In verse 6 of 1 Corinthians chapter 12, it clearly says there are different kinds of gifts but the one Spirit. There are different kinds of service but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working but the same God works all of them in all men. Now, we need to know why God gives, through the Holy Spirit, different gifts. And there are three primary reasons. Number one is to glorify God. Number two, gifts are to be used in bringing lost sinners to Christ. And then number three is to edify and strengthen those who are already Christians. God does not give spiritual gifts in order for anyone to glorify his or her self. He does not give spiritual gifts for anyone to think that they are better than anyone else. The same problem that existed in the church at Corinth 2,000 years ago still exists today. It's about speaking in tongues. And I'll read to you from 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verses 6 to 12. Now, brothers and sisters, if I come to you and speak in tongues, what good will I be to you unless I bring you some revelation or knowledge or prophecy or word of instruction? Even the case of lifeless things that make sounds, such as the pipe or harp, how will anyone know what tune is being played unless there is a distinction in the notes? Again, if the trumpet does not sound a clear call, who will get ready for battle? So it is with you. Unless you speak intelligible words with your tongue, how will anyone know what you are saying? You will just be speaking into the air. 
Undoubtedly, there are all sorts of languages in the in the world, yet none of them is without meaning. If then I do not grasp the meaning of what someone is saying, I'm a foreigner to the speaker, and the speaker is a foreigner to me. So it is with you. Since you are eager for the gifts of the Spirit, try to excel in those that build up the church. In summary, here, Paul is saying, it is a pointless waste of time to speak in a language that no one, including the speaker, understands. In fact, it's an insult to God to be speaking meaningless words when you have a language that can be used to convey the good news of salvation to others. And Paul adds in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 18, I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. But in the church, I would rather speak five intelligible words to instruct others than 10,000 words in a tongue. When Paul uses the word tongue, he means language. Now, some people misinterpret Paul's ability to speak in many tongues to mean he spoke in some kind of spirit language. But Paul was a linguist. He preached in many different countries, sharing the people with different people groups. To do that, he needed to speak their language. Hence, he spoke many languages. Paul was quite adamant that the gift of tongues was not given to everyone, and he was quite adamant that when someone spoke in another language, it must make sense. We're going to have a little break here and go on straight afterwards.
gloomy day Take my hand, oh precious Lord And help me on my way Give me strength that I might find Abiding faith and peace of mind And I won't ask where do I from here. Now just before the break, I was saying how the Apostle Paul had said that it was totally useless when somebody speaks in a language that people don't understand. When they speak, they must make sense. Now I've heard a very influential minister of an American church group praying in what he would describe as a tongue. This man I do not respect because he has used the church as a money-making business for himself. He's a multi-millionaire and he was praying with a large audience in attendance. Although he normally spoke English, I didn't understand one word he said in that prayer and a fat lot of good that did. Some who claim they have the gift of the Spirit also claim that they speak in the Spirit and are using the language of angels. And if you were to take special notice of what these people utter, they do not speak just one divine language, but myriads of languages, or better described as nothing but jumbles of sounds that may or may not be words. And I personally do not believe they speak in any defined languages, e.g. the language of angels, but instead that what they are saying is nothing more than babble. And God is not the God of confusion. God is a God of order. Therefore, I postulate that most of what people regard as speaking in tongues is a deception a deception of holiness when in reality it is unholiness. According to what I read to you earlier, God does not give everybody the gift of tongues and the churches that say everybody must speak in tongues are teaching falsehood. Just as the human body is not just one great big eye, The church is not made up of just one gift, that is, speaking in tongues. And I firmly believe most of the speaking in tongues comes not from the Holy Spirit, but from that arch-deceiver himself, Satan. But surely Satan wouldn't be active in churches, would he? Aren't the churches places where he wouldn't dare to go? (laughs) My friends, churches are the ideal targets of the devil. When people offer no resistance to his nefarious schemes, he's got them on his side. But when there is resistance, that becomes his main arena of activity. And you know, Satan works through people. I referred earlier to a very popular, well-known and wealthy American preacher who has a large following 
He promotes what is known as the prosperity gospel, where he misuses the scriptures to promote his own greed and the greed of his congregation. I've listened to him speak, and it made me shudder because it was plainly a show. His knowledge and clumsy use of the scriptures demonstrated that this man is in no way committed to the Lord or his holy word. Incidentally, you can find out more about others of these false teachers by going online and typing in the world's richest preachers or something like that. There are plenty of unscrupulous people fleecing their congregations of millions of dollars with the empty promise of wealth. The Apostle Peter recognised this and has written some stern advice to the churches in Second Peter. And I will pick out several verses to share with you. He says, But there were also false prophets among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you. They will secretly introduce destructive heresies, even denying the sovereign Lord who bought them, bringing swift destruction on themselves. Many will follow their depraved conduct and will bring the way of truth into disrepute. In their greed, these teachers will exploit you with fabricated stories. Their condemnation has long been hanging over them and their destruction has not been sleeping. Bold and arrogant, they're not afraid to heap abuse on celestial beings. Yet even angels, although they are stronger and more powerful, do not heap abuse on such beings when bringing judgment on them from the Lord. But these people blaspheme in matters they do not understand. They will be paid back with harm for the harm they have done. Their idea of pleasure is to carouse in broad daylight. They are blots and blemishes, reveling in their pleasures while they feast with you. With eyes full of adultery, they never stop sinning. They seduce the unstable. They are experts in greed and a cursed brood. These people are springs without water and mists driven by a storm. Blackest darkness is reserved for them, for they mouth empty, boastful words, and by appealing to the lustful desires of the flesh they entice people who are just escaping from those who live in error. They promise them freedom, while they themselves are slaves of depravity, for people are slaves to whatever has mastered them. If they have escaped the corruption of the world by knowing our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ, and are again entangled in it and are overcome, they are worse off at the end than they were at the beginning. It would have been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than to have known it and then turn their backs on the sacred command 
there was passed on to them. Of them the proverbs are true. A dog returns to it vomit its vomit, and a sow that is washed returns to her wallowing in the mud. It's good to realise that what is popular is not necessarily right. And when lots of people go to a church in order to get a feel-good fix, you can be sure that it's not God who's the one pandering their need to their need to feel good. Just as the Apostle Paul said that God gives different gifts of the Spirit to different people, you need to be careful in accepting the idea that everybody needs the gift of tongues in order to prove their conversion. Now I want to give you an example of the genuine gifts of tongues. A group of Seventh-day Adventist ministers went to a remote village in Papua New Guinea in order to bring the gospel message to the people who lived there. To help present the message, they had an interpreter. After the second night, some of the audience came to them and said, Why are you using an interpreter? We are hearing you in our own language. Well, at the end of the series of programs, the ministers returned to Australia but none of them could speak the language they had spoken in that remote village any more. The Lord had given them the gift of tongues for a specific purpose. My friends, the whole body is not an eye. It is composed of different parts working together. So it is to be with individuals in the church, all working together, so that God might be glorified for the common good and to bring others into the fold of the saved. I hope you'll join me again next time. May God bless you all.